0: Well, good morning, Orangewood. I want to welcome uh, everyone here on campus, uh, those joining us online, wherever you are. I know people all around the world are joining us, so great to have you with us. Um, Today we are in Matthew 7, uh, in these final words of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can turn there, Matthew 7, or you can follow along on the screen as I read these. Are God's words given to us in love? Matthew 7, 28 through 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. Before you take a seat, would you pray with me? Father, we we make space this morning to allow you, Holy Spirit, to speak into our lives, to to speak into the things that we have carried with us in here, Uh, to speak uh, into the painful places, uh, to the difficult places, to the places maybe of doubt this morning. And, Father, that we would be amazed again with this man, Jesus, who invites us to life with him. We pray this in his name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. If you are a guest, uh, once again, I'm really glad that you're here. We... Um, You've picked a really great Sunday because we've come to the conclusion uh, of this Sermon on the Mount and and, and coming to hear this final section, really, of the response people had uh, after Jesus has finished his his great uh, moment here with us. And this whole time, Jesus uh, has been inviting each and every one of us, will we be his disciple. Uh, another word for this is, will you be his apprentice, his student, his follower? And what will that mean for you to live life with God today? Today, right, right where you are. What will that mean for your work, for your friendships, for your, for your school? What, what will that mean what, what, what does that mean for your, your money, your parenting? Uh, what, what does it mean for the various relationships uh, that are in your life? What, what about the difficult places that we carry? What, what would it mean to live life with God today? How do I become a person shaped by grace? How do I become a person shaped by the good how how do I flourish how do I handle difficult situations that come into my life Jesus has been trying to teach us this whole time uh, what does it look like in the greatest sermon ever preached by himself Now, there have been some great speeches, important speeches throughout the years. I think of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream, uh, you know, that he's speaking in to a world of oppression and saying, what would it be like? Let us dream for a little bit that we wouldn't be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. I think of Winston Churchill in 1940 and his speech, We Shall Fight on the Beaches. That as the Nazi uh, regime was threatening to invade all of Europe, including Britain itself, that in that moment he made a cry to the people of Britain and said, uh, we must resist, we must endure. These were great speeches, but none... And no one compares to Jesus. How did Jesus change the world? He changed the world because he offered a different way to life through him. Jesus has been on a quest this whole sermon uh, for us to see that the old ways are not working. Tyler, the old ways are not working. But what happens is uh, the old ways are the only thing that I know. We have an opportunity, friends, to become Jesus's disciples, his followers, so that we can experience life in the kingdom of God. Jesus says there's, there's really two ways for us to live. Two ways for us to live. He, he talks a little bit and gives us a picture of it uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, he's telling a parable, a story, about when the seed of the Gospel goes forth and, and what can happen. He says this in Luke 8. And as for the seed that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature anyone here feel like life is being choked out what's interesting in this passage is uh, Jesus is giving this parable this story but it is so true he's saying there is a way you can live but you could also in that moment not really be living He tells here about uh, this kind of life, this this Greek word here in the pleasures of life. This Greek word, life is bios. And you may recognize that word. It's where we get our word biology, the study of life. And and he says here, uh, this parable that you and I could have bios, but we could feel like we're being choked by life. We are among the thorns. And the fact is, Jesus' grand invitation is that you and I would have another kind of life. The the New Testament actually parses out these two words, the the bios life. You are alive. You are living. uh, You're going to work. You're you're parenting. um, You're going somewhere this summer on a trip. You're watching Ted Lasso. You're... You're you're on Instagram. You have a life. If you are here today, I have good news. You have bios. But Jesus says, there is another kind of life available to you and me. And the Greek word zoe is the other Greek word we find in the New Testament for life, but this was a certain kind of life available to every person who wants it through Jesus. This is Jesus's invitation. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life zoe and have it abundantly the thief he's talking about here is the evil one the devil who wants you and me to be caught in bias life just living life just uh, where life is crowded out that's where he wants you and me to live He wants us to live where the pressures of life are overwhelming you. Uh, He he wants you to live where the disappointments of our life are consuming you. Where the fears are waking you up. The thief wants to destroy you from the inside out. Jesus says, I am offering you the grand invitation to Zoe life in me. To not just ordinary, stressed out, restless, day-to-day survival. A life where you can live under the care and protection of your heavenly Father. Uh, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. And we'll start talking about those I am's of Jesus next week. Friends, you and I are invited into another kind of life as Jesus' disciples. The question is, how do we step into that kind of Zoe life? Well, we see a picture here, a couple qualities of these people here uh, at the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus has just finished, uh, what is their response? Uh, Look at verse 28. It says this. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. It, it says here that upon hearing his words, they were astonished. Now, that's an okay word. Um, it's a bit unclear what does it mean to be astonished. But uh, I, I actually like it better translated amazed. They were, they were amazed at his teaching. And actually, this, this word that's used, it's not only that they were amazed, it, it carries with it this idea that they were, they were amazed and they were overwhelmed. Uh, almost uh, emotion had come over them. that they, they were almost brought to tears upon hearing this man. Maybe you've had a moment in your life where you were amazed, overwhelmed. I think of uh, every time uh, one of our three kids was born, I was amazed and overwhelmed. (laughs) Unbelievable. It tells us here, and they were amazed at his teaching. There was something about his words. There was something about what he said in this speech, in this sermon that still resonates today. I think it wasn't just his words that were amazing. They were amazing words that we've covered since September. But it's also the person behind the words that made them come alive. Seeing that when Jesus prayed to his father, the disciples could tell, this man isn't praying as if the father is some absentee dad. Jesus, they could tell as they were with him, he wasn't striving or clawing or performing. He he was just living life knowing everything wasn't up to him. The disciples could tell that Jesus knew his father in such a way that as he offered up his prayers that he knew that his father was good and that he was seen and he was known and he was loved. There, were, there, was, there was something about how he carried himself where it was so clear to those listening oh, this, this man is never, he's never alone. His father's with him. The disciples were amazed because it seemed like there wasn't an ounce of worry in his body that, that he said, oh, look at the birds in the air. Uh, Look at the lilies in the field, uh, that when he brought those up, those were not observation exercises. It was true in the bones of his being that he knew life with God under his care and protection. Now what happens is you might almost be led to believe Jesus was out of touch with reality. But he knew the brokenness of this world. When he told us not to worry, he knew that each day was sufficient with its own trouble. Don't we know this? That uh, Jesus said, uh, you you don't need to bring future worry and what's out there into the present. There's enough worry here in the present day. There's enough in that suitcase to unpack. Jesus told his followers, People will persecute you. People will backstab you. People will slander you. People will hate you. The temptations, anger, lust, deception, they will come for you and they will want to devour you from the inside out. Money will want to become your master. But follow me, obey me, listen to my teaching, let me lead your life, and you will be like a house with a sure foundation, like we sang. Yeah, the waves are going to come. The wind is going to blow. The sand underneath the foundation is going to try eroding away, but take courage have hope. I will be with you. They were amazed. They were amazed by his love. They were amazed by his grace. They were amazed by his life. Many of you may know uh, the name Andrew Garfield. He's an actor. He's been in a lot of blockbuster movies. and I think he's been nominated, if not won several awards. Um, But he was getting ready for uh, a film coming up um, called Silence, where he was playing a Catholic Jesuit. And he uh, began looking into the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Uh, to kind of get ready for the part. And after the movie was over, um, they, they began interviewing him about, hey, how did you get ready for the part? What did you learn? And, uh, and he shared a little bit about the impact that those exercises had on him. And this is what he said. There were so many things in the spiritual exercises that changed me and transformed me, that showed me who I was. And where I believe God wants me to be. What was really easy was falling in love with this person. Was falling in love with Jesus Christ. That was the most surprising thing. Andrew Garfield was amazed. It says it was not only his teaching, but it was his life. There's a person behind the teaching that we begin to see. I don't know if you've heard the phrase, don't ever meet your heroes. It's a, it's a phrase offered to you in consolation of you, you've read some book that transformed your life or you listen to a podcast and you've said, man, what would it be like if I could meet this person? And then you have the haunting, harsh reality of actually meeting them and you realize they're not the same person in the book. Uh, you realize maybe they're a jerk in real life. And there is a massive chasm between what you read in the book and what you are experiencing in real life. But what we learn, as Garfield has told us, Andrew Garfield, it is easy falling in love with Jesus. Be amazed. Be amazed. Jesus' grand invitation, he says, I've come to give you life. But the only way Zoe life begins to grow in us it's not only that we are amazed, but we learn here the other quality from these people in the crowd is they were giving over authority of their life to Jesus. Look at what it says in verse 29. For Jesus was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is a question that I have in my own home. Um, I offer various teachings uh, to my kids. Um, I offer various lessons to my kids. But I wonder sometimes, do I actually have any authority? Um, that there are moments that go by where I'll offer pearls of wisdom, uh, insights, amazing things into life. And I have at moments said, is anyone listening to me? Maybe you've been there. Uh, Maybe in your job you've wondered sometimes, uh, does anyone listen to me? This is Matthew's way of making the distinction between the crowd and disciples. In fact, Matthew uh, is going to use the word crowd 49 times in his gospel this is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Am I part of the crowd or am I a disciple? We actually see this, uh, you know, w- there is no such thing as chapter breaks. I know those exist in your Bible, but when Matthew first wrote his gospel, the, it, it, it's seamless thought. And so this is what we read if we take out the chapter break uh, right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It says this, And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. The crowd and disciples. There were were lots of crowds throughout the Gospels listening in, uh, longing to hear from from Jesus and what he had to say, but it was the disciples who were giving him authority. And as it says in verse 29, authority unlike the other teachers. There There was something about his teaching. There was something about his life. There was something about the invitation that he was giving to those who were listening that was different. Uh, John Stott uh, highlights this distinction. He says this, the scribes are self-effacing. Jesus is self-advancing. They point away from themselves and say, that is the truth as far as I perceive it. Follow it. Jesus says, I am the truth. Follow me. Disciples want a leader to their life crowds want an assistant for their life crowds have determined the outcomes of how they view their life should go and if Jesus can help us get there then that sounds great disciples as Dallas Willard says are learning to abandon the outcomes of their lives to Jesus. That's a question for you this week. Where do I need to abandon the outcomes of my life to Jesus? How do you know if Jesus is the leader or if Jesus is the assistant Of your life. You'll know if you've stopped asking ifs. You're no longer saying, Well, Jesus, I'll give you authority if you help me get to the place I want to financially. Jesus, I'll give you authority if. You help me beat cancer. If you fix my marriage. If you help us get pregnant. If I can finally get married. If I can get a new job. If I can get into the school that I've always wanted to get into. Friends, what are your ifs? What are your ifs? This is what I am trying to even work through in my own life. God, God, where are the ifs that I just keep bringing into our relationship where you are inviting me to be a follower, but I keep determining the direction. Uh, All the places you want to provide peace, but I keep telling you, hey, Jesus, this is where we're going. What are the ifs that have to be set aside? That's what it means to move from the crowd to be a disciple. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you into another kind of life. That's his grand invitation. How do we become his disciple? How do we experience this Zoe life? We receive his invitation. This is what he says. Come to me. as we close this Sermon on the Mount, who receive his grand invitation. It says here, we go to Jesus. We leave the crowds. We ask him to untangle us from all the ifs that we've clung to. Maybe for you today, it is realizing for the very first time that you've been a part of the crowd all this time, and you're ready to be a disciple. Jesus says, come to me, come to me. And then he says, learn from me, listen to me. Jesus will teach you. He will, if we will allow him access to our life, he will transform us. Jesus says, will will you learn from me? Will, Will you allow me space in your soul to operate today? Will you build your life on my teaching? Will you you walk with me? Will you you become a a person of of grace? Will you become a person of justice in this world? Will you become a person of mercy? What, What if your office wasn't just a place where you made money, but it was a giant stewardship God had given you For how you make heaven invade earth. What would it mean for you to be a person of peace this week as you listen to Jesus as he guides you? What would it mean uh, not to get overwhelmed or angry or defeated at news that will inevitably come into your life this week? I have good news for you. Bad news is coming. But what would that mean? To not be defeated or angry or overwhelmed, but trusting that Jesus is doing a good work in you if you give him access to your soul. What would it mean to, to, to live this kind of life? Jesus says, Will you receive my grand invitation to life with God through me? What happens this week when something inevitably doesn't go your way? Good news, it's coming. Something is not going your way this week. I promise you that. Uh, What happens uh, this week when you are stuck behind somebody going 15 miles per hour below the speed limit and you can't do nothing? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. I am offering you another kind of life. This next week, what happens when there is a relationship conflict in your house? I don't have any relationship conflicts in my house, but maybe you do. What happens when you have a relationship conflict in your house this week with someone you love? How will you respond? How will you make heaven up there come down here? Jesus says, come to me come to me, I am offering you another kind of life. What happens when you get really bad news this week? Disappointing news, frustrating news, something that you have been hoping for and dreaming for, now you know for sure is not going to happen. Jesus says, Come to me. Learn from me. Listen to me. I'm offering you another kind of life. And, friends, here is the grand, beautiful promise to that invitation. No matter what comes this week, when all things fall apart, because life is a house of cards is even in that moment to receive that invitation to say, Jesus, you now have access and authority over my life. The promise we receive, we heard. And you will have rest for your souls. In the midst of the crazy, overwhelming, overwhelming, Restlessness of this world. This is Jesus' promise for every person who leaves the crowd to become his disciple. Your restless soul will find its true home. Be amazed. Be amazed. Let's pray. Father, would you today, by your Spirit, amaze us again or for the first time to leave the crowd and the worries that plague us to find rest for our souls. That we would experience life transformation in the one place and from the only person who can change us. Jesus, amaze us. Be our leader. Be our guide. Be our savior. Because we've put our hope in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.